start. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Voice Podcast, Episode 7. Still not at full strength, but hey, we'll get there eventually. But look who's back for the first time since Episode 2. Let's go! Let's freaking go, boys. The injury-prone QB fan himself. Let's not do this. Anyway, we got Buddha, we got Delby here. We're going to talk about a few things. Probably not going to be as long as last week, but we're still shooting for an hour because that's what we do here. We talk about football for an hour because that's what we're here for. Okay, this might take up half an hour by the time this is over. Yeah, our, real. our finale of our college football series is finally here. Let's go. The Virginia Tech Hokies. I'm gonna let the guy. I'm gonna let Delby go since he attends the university, and then we'll follow in from there. Delby, the floor is yours for Virginia Tech Hokies football. Okay, so I've I've liked Tech for a while, and so I've I've gone to like the 2011 Miami game, and um, uh. And now that I go there, I go to all the home games. So, watching it from watching Tech from then to now is so different than what it used to be, which is crazy, and it sucks to it itself. But getting on from that, since two, um, I'm pretty sure it's 2000. Tech has been third in most ACC wins. They've won three conference titles. They had a national championship appearance. Um, I'm pretty sure until last year, all players were taken in the draft, uh, or we had some type of player taken in the draft, and we had a long um, streak. Um, but anyway, uh, and with that, that was all. We had Beamer and Bud Foster, and we had the recruits, um, like David, David Wilson and Michael Vick and etc. Champ Bailey, all that. Or not Champ Bailey, I apologize. I didn't even say that. But, uh, now we got this guy named Fuente. Wow, no! And, I can't stand the guy. I'm gonna be real with you, I can't. But I gotta respect, I do have to respect that he's gone 33 and 20 since he's been there. But, I hate him because we had our first loss to UVA since 2003. And he flirted with that Baylor job. Um, and also, all our recruits um, are going in the transfer portal. We're, we're lo- I mean, our players, are, we're losing a lot of recruits. Um, we lost Josh Jackson, McLeese. Hennon Hooker even went in the transfer, transfer portal. Thank God he came back. Um, Savoy. Um, Devon Hazleton. Yep. So, clearly there's something wrong going on I don't know we don't I don't think anyone like knows what it is except what who's in the locker room so but and this might make Buddha mad but I think in the future we're going to be good the next like I think we're going to be okay we're not going to go downhill um the only reason why 2019 was disappointing was because of how it ended and it ended with a terrible loss to UVA that whole whole season was a disappointment the whole season was this part. Come on now. If we would have won the game against UVA, it would have been turned. It's just the UVA game. It would have been just another year, though. It would have been just another year we beat UVA. I mean, but coming back. Except yeah. if we'd have beaten UVA, obviously yeah. we would have gotten a bid to the Orange Bowl to play Florida, which we would have exactly. lost that too. But we would have been in a we would have been a New Year's Six game. 
when you are in a New Year's Six game versus being in a random bowl game against Kentucky. There's a difference. But for the future, we I think next year we're going to have a really one of the best pass defenses in the country, and then we have Hendon Hooker who's promising. Um, and then we have our de- our defensive our defense with Farley, Jermaine Waller, and Tremaine Connor, um, and they're just dogs. Um, but and they have experience too. Jack Hollifield too. Yeah, our only competition really in the coastal is North Carolina, and so I think we have a fair shot against them, but. We have 82% of our uh, returning production coming back, which is six in the nation. So I think if we have nine wins last year, what can we do this year? That's all I have to say. But y'all go ahead. All right, Buddha, shoot. All right. All right. That is right, the greatest you know moment in the history yeah, of this podcast. I mean, it is. That, that's Virginia Tech football. That's what we grew up loving, watching. That's when we had Bud Foster, Frank Beamer, the prime in their careers. Thing is, we talk about Fuente, how garbage he is. I do at least, specifically. It's because of his recruiting. He loses everyone. Back when this team was playing like they were against Nebraska in 2009, that was when you had somebody coming into your house. You had Bud Foster and Frank Beamer coming into your house. That's why we got in recruits. That's why we won games. That's okay, the main Can I say something real quick before you continue? Yeah, 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 I guess. You can interrupt me, I guess. And you know I hate, I, you know I don't like Fuente, but I have to ask you this. It'll never, like, it takes a lot to become a a Frank Beamer type coach. And so if you're hired after Beamer, like you're probably not like, this is just a guy that replaced Frank Beamer. Like it's not like he is Frank Beamer. So yes, you're not going to get as many good recruits as. Well, and you also have another flaw with tech minus the recruiting aspect of it. Even when we had the good coaching and we had the solid players like we did in like these big time games, like the one against Ohio state, we beat Ohio state in Ohio state games like that. We would win those games, and we would turn right around and lose to some garbage team. That's something that Tech fans have been used to for years. For years. And it's, it's still the same way. And the only way that's ever going to change, and it goes right back to Quinte, not just his recruiting aspect of coaching, his like, just coaching on the field, his play calling. Like, it's horrible football to watch. It's not fun. Defense is the only part, and special teams is the only fun part. That's the only thing we still do right, for the most part. Yep. And if we can just get rid of him. Dude, the talent's there. Farley, do the dog. Dude, people don't talk about Tech as much being DBU, but when you go to games and you see the amount of turnovers we still pick up, and we're still ranked one of the highest in college football for turnover ratios, Yeah. I mean, Players like Farley are the reason why our defense is going to be good. And offense, our offense is continuing to get better. We're continuing our offense a lot. We're continuing to get better. That's always been a big part as to why we're not successful. Um, but I just want to get where I, I just don't like Fuente on the coaching staff. I never, I, I was never a fan when he came from Memphis, right? Memphis, that was where he came from. Yeah. Do you have an idea who would replace him? I don't care. Doesn't matter. Someone that knows how to win. Someone that knows how to win control locker room. It should have been Bud from the entire time. 
I mean, that's the reason why I think he had like Foster retired kind of. I mean, not early as expected, what a little bit earlier than what most people thought he was. Um, I mean, I just, I still think we could be good with Quinte. He just needs to realize what he does wrong. I think any coach can come back and have a good year after a crappy season uh, or mediocre season. But I don't know. I think he has a talent and it's there. It's just a matter of whether or not he's going to use guys correctly, put them in the right position to win. All right, um, I'm going back a little further than just the last the Fuente era. Uh, I usually do for this. Um, Beamer took over the program in 1987, and from 87 to 92, wasn't very good. And if this was in these days, Beamer never would have lasted. Um, the year 1993 hit, and Tech hasn't missed the postseason since. Uh, in Bamer's tenure from 87 to 2015, Tech won seven conference titles, three in the Big East, four in the ACC. They went undefeated in 1999, 12-0, before losing to Florida State in the national championship game. Thank God Carl's not here. He'd give me a look right now. Um, 11 bowl game victories, which is 11 out of, like, 29, so it's not the best. Two of which being BCS bowl victories, a program-defining Sugar Bowl win in 95 against Texas. And a 2008 or 9 win over Cincinnati. I can't remember which year it was. Uh, Tech won 238 games as a program under Frank Beamer. Uh, had eight straight 10 win seasons from 2004 to 2011. Uh, he owned Virginia in the Commonwealth Clash, winning 20 of 29 and his last 12 from 2004 to 2015. A dog. Um. In the, in the postseason from 2008, which was the loss against Kansas and the Orange Bowl to 2012 and the game that we don't talk about, um, played in four BCS Bowl games in five seasons. I think it was four. It was three Orange Bowls and one Sugar Bowl. That was Tech's dominance under Frank Beamer. It was that kind of time frame. And when you, I mean, when you win at minimum 80 games in a 2004 to 2011 win span, you're doing something right. Um, Beamer retired, obviously, after the 2015 year and was replaced by Justin Fuente. But when you look at his first two years, it was Tech's best season since 2011-2012. But Frank Beamer's recruits. Keep that in mind. Tech went 19-8 with the bowl victory over Arkansas, 31-24 in 2016, and a Oklahoma State loss in the Camping World Bowl in 2017-30-21. 2016 was the best team Tech has had since 2012. They were led by quarterback Gerard Evans and a tenacious defensive defense. Tech ran over the Coastal except for Georgia Tech because, you know, Tech can never stop the triple option crap. Never. Uh, won their first division title since 2012. And the most impressive thing about that year to me is that they went toe-for-toe, toe, kept up with the eventual national champions, Deshaun Watson and the Clemson Tigers. 42-35 yeah. loss. I always yeah, impressed. Uh, 2017, new quarterback as Gerard Evans left for the NFL. What a yikes that was. Yeah. Um, Josh Jackson, Tech went 9-4. and four. It was a pretty good year. They didn't make the ACC title game because of Miami was so good that year. But, um, yeah, I mean, you go 19-8 and eight in your first two years on a big-time program, you're like, yeah, we got a guy here. Yeah, uh, no. Uh, 2018 was, in my opinion, the worst year. The 2018, the year and the following offseason was the worst dark days in the history of Virginia Tech football. 
They went six and seven, which was their first losing season since 1992. The only thing that saved Fuente's job that year was that he beat Virginia and he kept the bowl streak alive. If he would have lost to Virginia and the bowl streak would have ended, he wouldn't be the coach right now. Nope. Then came that off season. Uh, I don't know if y'all have heard about this, but there were players on Tech's program, some of the ones that transferred, that were throwing the game against Marshall because they didn't want to play anymore under Fuente. Teams were players were asking to lose a game against Marshall. That's when you know this is bad. At Fuck one point, season, especially ECU, Tech had 14 players in the transfer portal after the 2018 season, including five in a 48-hour span. Talk a lot about coaching. In a span of 16 months, Virginia Tech lost 22 players off of their roster due to dismissal, transfer portal, or or academic and academic ineligibility. It got to the point where Fuente had to call a team meeting and go, what is going on? Because you don't have that. I mean, yeah, I mean, Tech's not the greatest Power 5 school on the face of the planet, but they're a Power 5 school. When you think of the ACC, you think about Clemson, Virginia Tech, and Florida State. Um, you can put Miami in there, too. But the, those top three specifically, who are the, you know, the top three in wins in the last ten years. Um so it was very, very bad. They came in the last year. I wasn't expecting much, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but they went 8-5. and five. They started off very poorly, including that 14-0 deficit to Furman that had me up in arms. I was so mad. I was chanting the fire of all day long, Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... It's crazy what happens when you bench Ryan Willis and bring in Hendon Hooker, who played his butt off, got Tech to that massive game against Virginia, which they ended up losing, which what irritates me, Hendon Hooker had his best game of his career in that game, but Tech came out so unprepared and they were down early. How do you not prepare your team for your biggest game of the year? One, it's your arch rival, and two, if you win the game, you're going to the ACC Championship and probably the Orange Bowl because Clemson's going to be in the playoffs. Yep. How do you not prepare yep. your team for that? How are you not prepared for your arch rival? I do not get it. Uh, coming into this year, like Delby said, it's got a lot of promise. Uh, and by this year, I mean spring, because we're not having college football in the fall. Let's just say that now. Um, yeah, Caleb Farley, a um, couple other players. I kind of focus on Farley because uh, twenty eight, the 2019 draft tech had no players drafted for the first time, and God knows how when. They did have one last year. I think it was Dalton Keene tied in to the Patriots in the third round. Uh, but when you look at this year, they have a mid-first-round talent in Caleb Farley. He's one of the best defensive backs in the country, if not the best in the ACC. Um, so they got him. They got Dax Hollisfield. They got Ashby. So they're returning a cr- like nine starters on defense. So they'll be fine on defense. It's just the transition away from Bud Foster that kind of concerns me. But you, but you, but there's the talent is there. Offensively, Hendon Hooker in his first full year as a starter. Uh, you got Quincy Patterson behind him coming in in situations. Um, behind Quincy is Braxton Burmeister, and I'm telling you now, for the love and sanity of all Tech fans, pray that man never sees the field. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me, you'll thank me later. Um, 
Yeah, uh, and your receivers, you got Trey Turner, who's obviously the number one, and bringing in some other guys. The running back position, Tech hasn't had an elite running game since David Wilson, and it will remain that way until a long time from now. Um, but it's just Fuente. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, he brought in a four-star cornerback recruit from in California, Tech's first ever actual recruit from the West Coast, which is impressive. They got a big-time recruit yesterday. And Curry, four-star receivers that chose Tech over Georgia of all teams. And Georgia gets a crap ton of recruits. So it's on the up. It's just whether they can be kept on the verbal commitment until National Signing Day. That's the issue. Um, yep. But as far as it when it comes to Virginia Tech, I could see an 8-9. Possibly even if they get lucky, it's 10 wins. Obviously, if you're going conference, you're only going to be playing eight conference games. So... Eight wins, you know, would be undefeated, which I I think Tech will lose in a, a conference game to a team they shouldn't lose to. But that's just Tech. We all know this. If we're playing eight games, I see six and two, maybe seven and one. It just depends. Um, Tech's program defining game is not anymore, which hurts. But I said before, if that game wasn't going to be in front of a packed crowd at night at Lane Stadium, it, there, yeah. no need for it to be played. Yeah. So that's Virginia Tech. I think we're all kind of on the same opinion that we all dislike Justin Fuente very, very much. But yeah, that was Virginia Tech, and that took 17 minutes, as expected. Probably the longest college football segment. All right. Let's go. All right. Now we're going to go to one of the rivals of y'all's two teams. Delby, this all is right. your topic. Mr. Daniel Jones himself. Oh, no. Okay, so the reason why I didn't pick Saquon is just because that's just like a – that's what everybody thinks about when you think of the Giants. So you know, I wanted to kind of – No, dude. I think about Danny Dimes. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. All right. Anyway, I don't, I don't know how I feel about him. I, I think right now I don't think he's the best quarterback – but I think he has promised to be an eventual good quarterback. So um, he started 12 games last year. Um, and the Giants this offseason um, invested heavily up front when they signed or they signed with signing Cameron Fleming and then they with the fourth overall pick, which was kind of surprising. But I kind of like the pick. Uh, they took Andrew Thomas from Auburn. Um, as much as, like, not to interrupt you, I just want to add this two cents on the Giants with the drafting. I'm sorry, and I know you have a left tackle need and you want to protect your guy, but you have one of the worst defenses in the league, yes. and Isaiah Simmons is stand is sit, as is Derek Brown. Derek Brown, who the Panthers took. Isaiah Simmons and Derek Brown are sitting there. How do you not – How do you – don't, don't start with me about that. Isaiah Simmons – should have been the draft pick at four for the Giants. I know how Dave Gettleman is. He used to general manage my team. He likes hog mollies up front. He likes big offensive linemen, which is funny because he never drafted an offensive lineman in the first round when he was with us to protect Cam. Imagine that. Um, but I, 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 of course, like the pick because it's a need, but sometimes you got to go with best available player like the Cowboys did. Anyway, continue. Um. But with that, Daniel Jones was pressured on 42% of his dropbacks. So, I agree with you, though. I think they should have picked um, Simmons with that pick. And then 
got a a tackle or an offensive lineman uh, later on in the draft, which I think they could have done. Oh, 100%. Um, also, like, the offensive tackle they chose wasn't even the best in the draft who went to Tampa Bay. I'll just put that out there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but with the Giants, so they have a lot of – they have a good group of skills players. Um, I don't think they did a good job upgrading uh, at least maybe, like, one wide receiver. Um, but they have Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard, Sterling Shepard um, and Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram. And then, of course, they have Saquon. Um but with Daniel Jones, he was very careless with the football uh, with 18 fumbles last season. Um, so I think if he kind of works on his decision-making with the ball um, and when he's in the pocket, um, and I think, like you said, Biggie, the Giants need a way, way, way better defense. Um, but maybe just surround, upgrade uh his receivers and maybe the rest of the offensive line and they got a solid team but like I said the def- they can have a solid offense but they need a solid defense too you know, so, but I think I think Daniel Jones is if they can do that and he continues to play with the Giants then and doesn't get injured I think he's going to be pretty good um, here's the thing like before I go into Daniel Jones talk about the Giants for a second when you look at, you got in this division you look at offensively, they're getting there. But when you got Washington, and I'm still getting used to calling them that until they change, uh, come out with their name change, with Washington has potentially a top five defense. Like, it's scary. It, it's scary. It, it's got scary level potential. The Eagles have one of the more underrated defenses in the NFL, in my opinion. But And the Cowboys have top ten defense in the league, in my opinion. They just have so much talent. The only issue with Dallas on the defensive side of the ball is their corners. But um, but I think Philly is good on defense. Dallas is really good on defense. And Washington has potential. So you got to have the offense, and they're trying to put that together. They, I still don't agree with trading away OBJ. They never should have done that in a million years. But, I agree. Um, yeah, I think they should have. I don't like OBJ. I mean, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's not my favorite, but. Um, when it comes to their Dude, defense, here is the Come problem on with them on defense, though. When you look at Washington, you have Haskins, who didn't really get a fair shot last year, so we don't really know how he is. But they have Terry McLaurin, who's insane. I love Terry McLaurin. So Washington isn't terrible with their weapons, except for except for Kelvin Harmon, one of their other receivers, tore his ACL yesterday, so that hurts. Um, when it comes to the other two, though. If you don't, or if you were not able to play defense when you're playing Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott, you're done. Yep. Because when you look at the Eagles side of things, you got Miles Sanders, who's underrated. The receivers are still a bit of a question with Philly, but we'll see. And I don't need to go into Dallas's offense. I've done it before. It's top ten in the league. Just leave it at that. So. With the Giants, they still got a lot to make. They're the worst team in this division. Uh, but let's get into Daniel Jones. Um, they shocked the league in 2019 when they took him with the sixth overall pick. When they had a 17th overall later on, they probably could have got him there too. Um, in three years at Duke, he threw for over 8,000 yards, 52 touchdowns, and 29 interceptions, but had a 59.9% completion percentage. For those who aren't aware of like completion percentages and stuff, Carl would be losing his mind right now. 
He loves dogs. Carl would be losing his mind. Um, 59.9% completion percentage is less than 60% of your passes. Like, you're getting lower to half. So, not very good. But then again, Duke doesn't really get the best recruits. So, it's not really all on him. But it's still not good, you know. Um, Duke was 17 and 19, so that kind of goes into my point, that he wasn't on very good teams. Last year, as Delby said, he started 12 games. He was through for over 3,000 yards, a 61.9% completion percentage. So he, so he still needs to work on, uh, he needs to work on his decision making. But again, you can't really doubt a rookie who, you know, rookies don't have the best completion percentages usually. Yeah. 24 touchdowns and 12 picks, but Delby also mentioned 18 fumbles. Like, eh. uh, team went three and nine, but as we've discussed, Giants are not very good outside of Saquon. So, and it didn't help that Daniel Jones had three games without him. So, I mean, that's that. Um, he was named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week in Week Three. And the Giants win over Tampa. He went 23-36 for 336 and two touchdowns. His best overall game came in week 16 against Washington, where he threw for over 500 yards and five touchdowns with no interceptions. So he's got potential. He came out last year and showed me and a lot of other people that gave the Giants a bunch of crap. He was better than Haskins. Obviously, he wasn't better than Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's the cream of the crop there for that draft class. But Daniel Jones was better than a lot of people thought he would, including myself. Um, which the Giants and Gettleman got a lot of whiplash. Um, after Eli retired last year, Jones and Barkley are the future. Barkley is an elite running back. In my opinion, he's the number two running back in the league behind Christian McCaffrey and one spot ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. Um... They have the potential, and Jones has the potential to be a franchise quarterback. He showed it a little bit last year. They could build their whole team around Daniel Jones and Saquon if they're smart. The only issue is they're wasting Saquon's rookie contract. And they're going to have to pay him soon, and he's going to get up in the 15 He deserves 16. to get paid. Well, he does, 100%. He is going to get McCaffrey money, 15, 16, probably 17, because the Giants don't care. Um, yep. But, yeah, he totally deserves to get paid. He's second best back in the league. Uh, I think Barkley rebounds, honestly. I think he plays all 16, uh, if we have all 16, which I think we will. Off his 2018 success, Jones improves. The Giants do find a little more success, but I still see them having a top 10 pick just because if your name is not Philadelphia or Dallas, you stand no chance in the NFC East. And that's it on Daniel Jones. Buddha take four. Yeah, I mean, with the Giants, though, especially with Daniel Jones, Giants are always like a tough team to play, especially if you're in the NFC East. Sorry, not a tough team to play for everybody, specifically for the NFC East teams. Like, most of them struggle, even like the big time teams that win the big games. Like, I'm pretty sure, I can't remember the score, the Eagles on the Super Bowl. Not just pointing out your team, Dolby, but when y'all went to the Super Bowl, y'all had a tough time, I think, in one of the weeks beating them. Yeah, um, we had to come beat them in overtime last year. Like, we, Yeah, last year too. Yeah. Dallas struggled. Because the thing with the Giants is, and I'll always talk about this. Saquon Barkley is he's like a generational talent. Guys, the kind of player where you have to watch out every single week because he may not do it every single game, but it takes one play and he'll bust a 64-yard touchdown, may bust two in a game. But then again, he may go through a drought where he doesn't really play well for a few games, which he's proven he's done. 
which is why I think he'll get his money, but I don't think he'll get like, record-breaking type money for running backs. But, sorry, I was a little bit off the topic of Daniel Jones. I, 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 I think Daniel Jones is going to transition back here wrong. That's all I have to say. I, I, of course, I do want to touch on one thing, though. If you ask me right now who's worth Christian McCaffrey money, and by that I mean 16, and Zeke isn't involved in this because he already has his money. If you ask me who's more worth McCaffrey money, Saquon or Dalvin Cook, it's Saquon 100%. I like yeah, Dalvin I Cook, and he deserves it like 14, 15 around Zeke's number, but Saquon's the only back in the league I think that would should make as much as McCaffrey is going to make coming into this season. I don't know if his current extension goes into effect this year or the following year. I think it's the following. I think that's how it works. But, yeah, I mean, the actual, I don't think this back is worth 16, but I think he's worth around Zeke money, and this is coming from me, and that's Alvin Kamara. Kamara's a lot better than people give him credit for, but he's not Saquon or McCaffrey. I'll say that. All right, we're getting too far off topic. Buddha, go ahead. But yeah, with Daniel Jones, I mean, like he had, really has showed promise. I think if you give him an offensive line that's a, better than just mediocre, you give him a few players, and you free agency in a draft for the next couple of years. I mean, besides the fumble problem, I think the like I think that happens for a lot of quarterbacks in the league when they transition from college to the NFL. Game's <laughs> a lot faster. You can't necessarily break out and run and scramble quite like you could for 25 yards when you played in college. Defense alignment are much quicker. They catch up to you behind your back. They knock it out. And Dallas play the Giants. If we wouldn't have had as many – if the Giants wouldn't have had as, had as many turnovers this past season, and uh, I think it was the first time we played them, uh, they probably would have won the game because Daniel Jones, he was making good plays. Saquon was having the game probably the season. Um, but the fumble problem, you can get over that. That can be worked on. That can be coached. I think, like like you said, I don't think they'll ever have this success of Dallas or Philadelphia. It's just not. It's just not going to happen. They're way too talented. They're way too good. Unless it's an upset, which you know the Giants are prone to doing that kind of thing. You should ask the Patriots about that. Um, <laughs> but different team. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think they'll probably come third in the NFC East. But I think Giants will have a mediocre. No, I'll be above mediocre season. Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, he'll probably uh, climb up the ladder a little bit and probably get a little bit better. But I mean, I think he'll probably stay where he's at right now, which is you know mediocre, which is the only thing he can do. That's all it's given to him right now. But we'll see. Let me tell you the order of the NFC East real quick before oh anyone says anything. All right. Four will be the Giants. Three will be Washington. Two will be Dallas, and one will be Philly. <laughs> I had to correct you there. Because you said oh, okay. you said you said uh, Washington would be fourth, so I wanted to make sure you know. Yeah, I think Washington's not as good as the Giants. I think here's the, here's the thing, though. The Giants have the better offense, but as we've and everybody has said, defense wins championships. Obviously, Washington's still a little unproven, but they have a very good defensive coach now. I honestly think it will come down to can the Giants score on Washington's defense and can Washington stop Saquon? Yeah, exactly. Which um, Chase Young can only do so much for the defense. I think he's going to make a lot of plays and do well. But oh, yeah. He can only do so much. He's just one player. Yeah, I mean, well, they, I mean, they got more than one player, but regardless. Who else in the defense is even uh, noteworthy? Uh, Ryan my, Kerrigan's gone. You know, he's still there. He's, he's not? I thought he retired. No, he's still there. 
Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, Payne. Uh, you sure? Pretty sure look. he didn't. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, go ahead and keep talking. You continue, though. Keep going. He might have. Ryan Kerrigan's still active, man. Oh, dang. Well, yeah. That went... Dang. I, I thought I heard something about him. But either yeah, way, that's all, I mean, that's all I really have, though. I mean, they yeah. don't really have so, good DBs. So we'll see. And then what I find funny is they traded away Kendall Fuller a couple of years ago for Alex Smith. Kendall that Fuller. So uh, Kendall Fuller makes the game-winning interception in the Super Bowl and then gets banked and comes back to Washington. Smart business mm-hmm. decision, Kendall Fuller. Um... Yeah, that's kind of it on Daniel Jones. Let me check this little update real quick because I saw it before we got on. Was something about Derrick Henry? Either signed or he didn't. Uh oh. Um. Yeah, Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans are finalizing a contract extension long term before the 4 p.m. deadline today. So he will be under contract long-term for Tennessee, along with Ryan Tannehill, who they signed last offseason. Meaning they're not going to have any more money for the foreseeable future. But Before, before I want to say they should have paid him. I don't think they should have paid Tannehill, but I think they should have paid Derrick. The only issue with paying Derrick Henry, and the terms aren't out, so we'll see how much they give him. If they give him up near McCaffrey money, I'm going to roast the crap out of them. Because... You can only bring a big, strong back up the middle, up the middle, up the middle so many times before wear and tear gets to him. Yes. So. That's not his fault. No, it's not. But, oh, we talk about Tannehill. You know how he hands the ball off 30 times a game. Speaking of quarterbacks that like to do that, Jimmy G. All right. Buddha, this is yours. Fire away. I know, man. I know, man. So, Jimmy G. Alright. Dude won two Super Bowls with the Patriots. Uh, obviously, backing up Tom Brady. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. I was about to say. Yeah. I was like, uh, he didn't do anything. My bad. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. He still has two Super Bowls already. Like, realize that. Okay. Okay, so let's back it up. You know, interrupt. It's all good now. Uh, Jimmy G. His stats for every single season, they're kind of interesting considering circumstances. So we're going to start off with 2019 this past season. To be fair, to be fair on it, though, like the 2019 is really the only one you can judge because exactly. 2017 he played five games after he got traded. 2018 he played and three games before tearing his ACL. So you can really only judge one season. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. And both times when he was playing, he went 7-0 for that one season and 8-0 for one season. He started like he started the season that way, which I think he was, he was the first. Besides the five and zero, it was five and zero the year he tore his ACL. Yeah, and it was eight and zero the last year. And like he was the like, only person to do that besides Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, but then twenty nineteen, he throws for a crazy amount of yards, which is you know three thousand nine hundred seventy eight, which is, I mean, it's pretty above average nowadays. Unless your name pretty, is Brady, exactly. Wilson, Mahomes, Rogers. Going on. Anyway. And I think, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of people like to compare Tannehill to Jimmy G, saying that offenses are kind of schemed around, maybe handing the ball off a little bit. But I think Jimmy G, he's he's proved that he can get make it all the way to big games. 
It's just a matter of winning them now. Winning that Super Bowl. To I be fair, if talent. they were facing anyone else beside Patrick Mahomes, they would have won the Super Bowl and would have had six. Right. Just going to point that out there. Exactly. They had the talent to do it. I mean, I don't think he's going to regress and just do worse. I, think I, I agree with you. I agree with you that he's not going to regress. But there's one problem. What? They play in the same division as Russell Wilson. Okay. With That's Seattle. Fine. And I've said Seattle to me right now is the NFC favorite. And I say that because I don't trust Green Bay. I don't trust the Saints in the playoffs because if they run into Minnesota, they're out. And as far as the NFC East winner goes, I don't know. It depends on the record. It depends. There'll be no offense. It depends if Carson Wentz can stay healthy and if Dallas can get over the 8-8 eight and eight hump that they've been stuck in for the last 20-something years. Whoa. Don't even Man, comment. Don't comment. We just won a playoff game like only two years ago. You're tripping. I know, but you've been average Congrats. most of the time. Congrats. But you no, can't make it to the NFC Championship. You can't say that we just gone eight and eight for the past twenty. I didn't say that. A lot. I said most of the time. We had the Packers in the divisional. Lost. Lost a game. Doesn't matter. Still got there. What was the record for that season? It was much better than eight. Okay, eight. maybe you shouldn't have said every at the past twenty years, but a lot of the years. Yeah, so that's what I meant. I didn't mean every. Yeah, year. so it was the NFC East. They've actually been worse. They've had a lot worse seasons besides the NFC, besides the Super Bowl win. That's about it. That's the only good season y'all had. You're tripping, dude. Not true, but anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. But yeah, uh, Jimmy G. I mean, I'll be honest with you. He gets paid way too much to hand the ball off to Mostert 30 times a game. And I'll get to the NFC title game here in a moment. Because that's my main issue. Um... Jimmy G drafted as the heir apparent to Tom Brady with the 62nd overall pick in 2014 by the New England Patriots. Yeah, he wasn't the heir apparent because because you looked at Brady and Kraft and they wanted him out of there and Brady and Bill Belichick wanted him there and it was a dumpster fire. Uh, he went to Northern Illinois, played four seasons there. He threw for over 13,000 yards, a 62.8% completion percentage, and 118 touchdowns. His best season was his senior year, and it showed why he was taken in the second round. He threw for over 5,000 yards and 59 touchdowns. That same year, he also broke the career school record for uh, for completions. Over Tony Romo. was previously held by Dallas, former Dallas Cowboys quarterback Tony Romo. Um, as you said, he didn't see the field much, if at all, due to Brady. Um, he saw his first action when Brady uh, was handed down a four-game suspension for his role in Deflategate, which honestly, yeah, they cheated, but it didn't make a matter of a difference because the Colts never stood a chance in that game. And if you ask any Colts fan, they'll say the same thing. Um, he played in two games because he uh, sprained his ankle and then Jacoby Brissett played in the other two, and Jacoby's now in Indy. So uh, Garoppolo threw for 496, a 71% completion percentage and four touchdowns. I will give Garoppolo thing on one credit. He's very accurate with the football. He doesn't throw a lot of picks. Um, what you want? He was you traded. Want. He was traded to San Francisco in October of 2017 for a second round pick. That pick was traded to the Lions, who took Carry On Johnson. So I say San Francisco won the deal. Um, he started the last five games in 2017, and he threw for over 1,500 yards, a 67% completion percentage, 
and six touchdowns and did not lose. It's five and zero. The San Francisco 49ers have had had their franchise quarterback for the first time since Steve Young, because I really never considered Alex Smith or Colin Kaepernick a franchise guy. Um, before the 2018 season, he inked a five-year, $137.5 million contract that equals up to 27 per year. He only played three games the following season due to tearing his ACL in Week Three against Kansas City, and if I remember correctly, that was the first game. That was the second game where Mahomes threw for like 500 yards or something. Um, so, as I said, 2019 is his first full year, so it's really the only one you can judge him on. He threw for over 3,900 yards, a 69.1% completion percentage. His career completion percentage kind of hangs around 69 to 71%, which is top tier for most quarterbacks. Uh, and 27 touchdowns led the Niners to a 13-3 record, an NFC West divisional title, and a first-round buy in the playoffs. And their first playoff win against Minnesota, he only threw for 131 yards and one touchdown, which is kind of an oof. <laughs> That's nothing. Next week against Green Bay. This man went 6 of 8 for 77 yards and no touchdowns. How are you going to be a franchise quarterback who's getting paid $27 million a season to throw 8 passes and a conference championship game? Now, I get that Raheem Mostert, ran, they ran for 285 on 42 carries. Yeah, they killed the Packers, though. But here's my thing. If they played any other team, they probably would have lost. Like, you gotta be kidding me. You throw eight times for 77 yards in a conference championship game. Biggie, here's my question. Here's my question. Did they win the game? Of course they won the game. But do you know what, do you know what coaching coaches do for every single week? There's a different scheme for every single team. That's probably part of the scheme. He still went six for eight. He's still doing what the coaches told him to do. That's almost perfect. Two throws away from nearly being perfect. It is true. I can't agree to that because they didn't throw the ball. Like, who gives a crap if he doesn't hand the ball off? The dude won the game and took a team to a Super Bowl. But did they not run the ball? Did they run the ball because of Jimmy Garoppolo, or did they run the ball because they thought it would exploit the Packers? Defense? I think they, I think they ran the ball because I think they were going to exploit the Packers defense. So that's what she did, and obviously it was successful okay. because they did a damn good job. Okay. So, I just think it's kind of abysmal for a guy that's getting paid that much. But I also agree with y'all's points. Um, How many other games has he thrown under fifteen passes? There was a few last year, but the only way I, I I only point that game out specifically because it was for a chance to go to the Super Bowl, which they won. I'll give them that. Anyway, to the Super Bowl, by the way. He threw for over 219, one touchdown, and two picks. It was his one of his better passing games, best of his playoff career anyway. But I'm telling you, you throw two interceptions and give the ball back on a short field to Patrick Mahomes, I don't care. How good your defense is. And San Francisco's defense is elite. Let's not get that confused. Um, yeah, it didn't matter. You get the ball to Mahomes two extra times, there's a reason they lost. You can't throw picks against Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. Um, so, and, and they blew a lead, and Kyle Shanahan has showed before him, hi, Atlanta, um, that he can't hold leads in a Super Bowl. This one he let up a 10, and we all know about the 28 to 30. Stuff and my Falcon friends are probably flipping me off right now. Um, but um, 2020, I do think he's got to consistently push the ball downfield some more. They drafted 
uh, Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State, who's a big deep threat. They have Debo Samuel there. Um, they're not. They're. I talked about Raheem Mostert. He requests. He requested a trade a couple weeks back. They have Tevin Coleman there, um, but it's, he's going to have to push the ball downfield a little more, especially back in if they get back to the playoffs, which I expect them to. Um, I don't think they'll win the division again. I think Seattle will. Uh, I think San Francisco will be fine. I don't think they'll go thirteen and three again, but ten and five, eleven and six. Sorry, ten and five, ten and six, eleven and five. It's kind of what I see for them. Um, again, they're going to rely on that defense. And yes, they traded away to Forrest Buckner, but they immediately replaced him with Kinlaw. They still have Armstead. They still have Bosa. Yeah, they have D Ford. They have Sherman, who got torched in the Super Bowl by Tyreek Hill, but who doesn't get torched by Tyreek Hill? Um, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about Jimmy G. I think he's definitely got a – his completion percentage is fantastic, but he's got to be able to push the ball downfield some more. But they blew Green Bay out, but that was just because I think Green Bay had no business being in that game. But that's that. Delby, what are your thoughts? Um, so – when you see his numbers, it's really surprising, I guess. Like y'all, the numbers y'all have already stated. Um, but he ranked 12th in QBR last year, um, which isn't terrible. Like, it isn't bad. Um, and he's 21-5 and five as a star- starter, um, which I think is pretty good. Um, and he led his team to the Super Bowl um, the year after he tore his ACL. But the thing that gets me about him and why I don't think he can be called elite is he isn't a game manager like Brady. Um, he's more of a system QB and you really saw that in the Super Bowl when it came to crunch time. Um, he didn't show up. Um, and that's why I don't think, I don't think he's proven himself to show up in any of the big games. Um, like Biggie said, like against the Packers to go to the Super Bowl or, or even the Super Bowl game when, Oh, but I understand the Super Bowl game because they did go up against passion terms. And also, I don't, I don't think he's worth the money when they paid him then. I don't think he's worth the money paid him. They pay him the, now at least. For um, life, because he uh, when they paid him, they barely saw him play at all. Like, like not even that much. So um, I think it was stupid by them to jump on jump on board like that so quick. And still, even now, though, after seeing him play one full season, even though he did get to the Super Bowl, yes, but I still don't think he's worth. Um, I don't think he's worth more than Dak. So, but oh no, uh, no not a chance. Yeah, so I don't know. That's I don't. I think he. I think that he fits in the system, and that's why they, the team does well. But if I don't think he's he can show up and prove to be an elite quarterback yeah. and be paid like one either. So. Personally, like I said, he makes 27. If he's making 27, Dak's making 31 this year, and obviously the trade deadline thing is going to pass in three minutes, and Dallas is still so far apart. So that's not happening. Dak is yep. playing on that $31.5 million uh, franchise tag. It's be a Kirk Cousins situation, I'm telling you. Oh, I know, I know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> Dak's never leaving Texas, dog. Shut your mouth. Yeah. 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 Y
Dude, saying Zach Prescott's gonna get traded away is like saying Carson Wentz is not traded during the season. You're getting saying Zach doing saying Dak's gonna sign somewhere else is like saying Carson Wentz is gonna play an entire season. God, I wish it never happens. This, these are the moments where I wish I could cuss. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. I think when it co- like we said, when it comes to Jimmy G, that's just kind of how it is. He's not average, but he's not great. He's kind of in the good territory. But he did have a hand in leading his team to a Super Bowl appearance. Now, here's the thing, and I've talked about this in the past. Unless your name is the New England Patriots. People don't care if you lost the Super Bowl. The last time a losing team got back to the Super Bowl the year after losing it was the Bills when they went to four straight and lost all four of them. You love to see it. So, I just, like, I don't see it. I don't see them getting back there because it's so difficult to get back there anyway. But that's that. No, mention Seattle. Speaking of the Seahawks... Oh, boy. In my opinion, the best secondary group in the history of the National Football League, the Legion of Boom. Featuring, for the most part, three people, but I'll put in Byron Maxwell here, too. Featuring, for the most part, cornerback Richard Sherman and safeties Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas. If If you ask me, Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas is the best safety duo of all time. It can be argued, but that's my opinion. Um... Here's my thing about it. Earl Thomas was selected 14th overall in 2010. He is the only one of these guys who was taken in the first round, let alone the first two days of the draft. Richard Sherman was drafted by Seattle in that stacked 2011 class with the 154th overall pick. Cam Chancellor was taken with the 133rd overall pick in 2010 out of uh, out of Virginia Tech. Cam Chancellor, by the way. Um, And Maxwell was taken 173rd overall in 2011. So, everyone but Thomas was a day three selection. Yeah, and a lot of teams came to regret this. During the LOB era, Seattle had six straight winning seasons. By the way, that's 2013, or, yeah, 2011 through 2018, by the way. Three NFC West titles, two NFC titles, two Super Bowl appearances, and an absolute dominant Super Bowl victory in 2013 over the Peyton Manning-led Broncos. They should have beat the Patriots, too. Agreed, because Pete Carroll's an idiot. Um, In a three-year span from 2012 to 2015, Seattle led the league in scoring defense and the fewest points scored for four years in a row. In 2013, they led the league in points allowed, yards allowed, and takeaways. They are the first team to do that since, in my opinion, the greatest defense to ever play the game of football, the 1985 Chicago Bears. The Bears. Um... The four combined for 20 interceptions alone in 2013. Richard Sherman with eight, Thomas with five, Cam with three, and Maxwell with four. What made them mostly dangerous was the safety duo. Cam and Thomas are widely regarded as one of the best duos of all time, like I said. Chancellor's ability to go sideline to sideline, along with his ability to just knock people out. Knock the piss out of people. Knock them out. So that was what made him so special. And Earl Thomas just had... He he could be on the opposite side of the hash mark and then be in the back corner of the end zone in about a couple seconds. Um, Sherman and Thomas were first-team All-Pros in 2013 and 2014. While Cam Chancellor made second team in both those years, 
2013, they allowed the fewest passing yards and passing touchdowns. The Super Bowl against Peyton Manning comes as the most dominant, though, because Peyton Manning threw for over 5,000 yards and 55 touchdowns and a record setting here. You wouldn't know about a game. They only allowed eight points, picked him off twice, and forced two fumbles in their respective runs. Nine years for Earl Thomas in Seattle. He had 28 interceptions. Sherman added 32 in seven years. Cam added 12, and Maxwell had seven. The whole era combined for 79 interceptions. Now, no remain in Seattle. Sherman is in San Francisco. Earl Thomas is in Baltimore. By, uh, Byron Maxwell no longer plays in the league, and Cam Chancellor retired due to injury issues. But regardless, best secondary unit of all time, and that's all I got on them. Um, yeah, so you touched on some things that I was going to say, but um, so they played a total of 81 starts together. Um this is I thought was crazy. They combined for 14 Pro Bowls and six first-team All-Pros. Um, it's pretty damn good. Um, they had 79 total interceptions. I think they're either the first or second best defense um, of the decade. Uh, them or the Denver Broncos team. Um, the year that, in 2015. Um, but I do believe that that 2013 team was the best team of the decade. And I told you that. But... Uh, what I liked about them is they just brought back the tough, gritty, hard-hitting like football that like everyone loves, um, and they were just so dominant. And everyone like, first of all, no one wants to go in Seattle and play anyway. But when you have to play the Legion of Boom on top of that, it's hard to win a game. So don't test me with a star receiver like Crabtree. Yeah. Fact, that's the result you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. Memorable man. Also, just to say, Seattle and San Francisco robbery is one of the best in football. Just going to point that out there. Indeed. Now it is. I mean, it was back in 2013 and 14, too, so. Yeah. Well, they weren't good for a couple of years, but I get what you're saying. Go ahead, buddy. I'm done. Nah, dude. I mean, I think I pretty much covered it. I mean, Cam Chancellor, he's always been one of my favorite defensive players that ever come out of tech. He always tried to emulate his game like Sean Taylor, and I definitely think he proved that him and Sean Taylor resemble each other quite a bit, especially when it comes to his ability to knock people and uh, bounce their heads off the canvas, as Conor McGregor would say. Yes. Um, but, I mean, that was just a special defense. And, like, when you were watching it, it wasn't like 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 we say not to piss out of each other, like, like saying, like, these guys just were just cracking guys. It wasn't like they were, like, out there to, like, just injure people. They were just a fun defense that just liked to play football, man. And they knew how to play it well. And I mean, just when you have a defense like that where you're not going to worry about a team dropping over 14 on you a game, if that, your offense obviously going to be successful no matter really what offense you have. That's what makes the Legion of Boom so special. And I think they actually topped the Broncos defense uh, over in 2015, but that's yeah, just my opinion. I agree. I I I I think 2013 defenses Seattle's defense is better than the Broncos 2015. When you hold it, when you hold Peyton Manning to eight points, how prime eight Peyton points, Manning, right? prime Peyton Manning. I mean, that's that's unheard of. The dude, the, dude, the sheriff, for a reason. Top. I said there. I was saying that I didn't have a solid answer for them. I didn't know. Oh, right here. But yeah. Um. But yeah. Also, just came out from Adam Schefter. The terms are still 
the money is still up in the air, but it is a four-year extension for Tennessee Titans running back Derrick Henry. So I don't think it'll be that much money then. Just so... Give me one. I hope it's not. Yeah, um, just so you know, uh, Christian McCaffrey's was four years, 64, which goes out to $16 million a year. So I, don't think, I personally think it'll be a little lower than that. I would hope. I think it'll be lower. Maybe, what do you think, like 58 or 60? Kind of anywhere between 55 and 60. It's kind of, okay. It's kind of where I'd put it. Yeah. Um, if or Derrick Henry is getting 60 million, there is no excuse why Saquon shouldn't get the same money as McCaffrey. And it wouldn't shock me if the Giants gave him more, to be honest with you. McCaffrey. New York loves him. New York loves him. McCaffrey's number one, though. Here's the thing, though. It's like, and I said this last night, and Carl will agree with me on this, too. The top three running backs in the league, to me, are McCaffrey, Saquon, and Zeke. So, I just, when it comes to the other, Derrick Henry's had this one really good year. Dalvin Cook's had this one really good year. Nick Chubb's had this one really good year. Like, all these backs that could be in tension with Zeke's spot right now have had one really good year and not really much else. Zeke's been consistent through his first three years in the national. Three years, yeah, three years in the league. And I mean, and McCaffrey's and Saquon's. The thing that irritates me most about the arguments I see against McCaffrey, and I love exposing people that say this, is the fact they say, "Oh, he can't run. He's only a receiving back." Yeah, last time I checked, running for a thousand yards in back-to-back seasons means you can run the football, especially at his height and his size. Like. Like, that's, but, hey, I mean, people are going to have their opinions, and I try to respect everybody's, but if it's stupid, I'm going to call you out on it. It's that simple. Hey, um, football's just getting closer and closer to being plenty, boys. Yeah, thank, thank God, I'm ready, man. Uh, just to go into one more final thing, Boot and I kind of did this last week, where we went over, like, a college prospect, a well-known one. Last week, it was Panay Sewell. I go. This week... Let's see. Go into a college prospect. I don't know how much y'all know about him. He's not really a prospect yet, but his name is Derek Stingley Jr. He's defensive back out of LSU. Go Tigers. Um, Yeah, best corner in the country. He's up, I mean... No, he's a dog. I've watched his highlights before. Yeah, he he got torched by Devontae Smith in the Bama game last year, but it's Devontae Smith. That dude is the college version of Tyree Kill. He torches everybody. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, Derek Stingley Jr. is one of the best I've ever seen in the college game. He's going to be a top ten pick when he comes out in 2022. There's just a lot more talent at the corner position in the college game now than there used to be. I mean, you. I mean, you basically see a corner go. You basically see two corners go in the top ten every year, at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kuda's about to be a dog. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I, I, of course, feel sorry for him that he got drafted by Detroit, but that's yeah. a well-known topic that I've been into about Barry and Calvin Johnson. All right, I saw this. I think it was the other day. It was something. It was like four running backs, and it was like all in their prime. Who would be out? And it was Barry Sanders, Bo Jackson, Emmett Smith, and Walter Payton. E Z Emmett Smith. Bye bye. 
Yes. Like, look, I, I of course respect Emmett, and he's a great yes. back, but he's not Walter, he's not Barry, and Bo Jackson was a damn freak. <laughs> Bitter, would you like to say anything? Um, see, Bo Jackson goes into like the LeBron James category for me. As oh, a, here we go. He was an he's a generational, if not like one of the most athletic dudes of all time. You're gonna tell me you're gonna delete Emmett Smith out of the picture? How many Super Bowls did Bo Jackson win? I don't care. In his career. Buddha, let me remind you this. Let me remind you this one simple thing that we were we talked about maybe at the last. Don't say without the offensive line because if you watch Emmett Smith play his yards after contact. His yards after contact were insane. I'm not gonna say that. The reason why Bo Jackson is in front of Emmett Smith. It's the same reason why LeBron is in front of Kobe. Oh my gosh, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not doing don't we're don't not compare. Doing don't I'm compare. Not doing it. I compare back, baby. I'm ready. No, then you compare in sports now. Everyone knows that Kobe's right above LeBron. It goes MJ, Kobe, LeBron. It's simple. Mamba mentality was a dog. Always gonna be LeBron James. Always be better than LeBron James. Okay, but what I'm saying is, Bo Jackson was a dog. He was a dog. Do I think he's better than Smith? No. He was. Okay, I can respect your opinion, just as long as you don't say Emmett's above Barry or Walter, then we'll be fine. Never, never, never. Never would do that. Walter was the best. Sweetness, dude, sweetness. Come on now. Walter, like, I I, I tell anybody that listens, if you've never seen Walter Payton highlights, just go look at him. That dude, he was so hard to bring down. He yeah. was a long time ahead of his time. He would be great today in today's game. Yeah. But um, I will say this. This was fun. That is going to do it for episode seven of the Boys Podcast. Yes, hopefully, sir. hopefully, we'll have four. Um, Carl and I might try to do one with just us next week, but we'll see, which means we'll hey. probably do two next week. I'll try to do one while I'm at the beach as well so we can have full capacity. Yeah, so hopefully, um, since you're going to be at the beach, hopefully we can get the four of us back soon. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Boys the Podcast. That's Delby. That's Buddha. This is Big E. We will see you all next time. Hashtag the boys. Peace out. Good to be back. Good to be back. Yes, sir.